Welcome to the Elevating Athletes podcast, where we talk about raising up athletes to succeed in sports and life. This podcast is for anyone involved in helping athletes achieve their dreams, from parents, coaches, sports medicine teams, or anyone else that guides athletes to success. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for joining us on today's podcast. I am Dr. Tim Puckett, owner of Puckett Physical Therapy, and I am super, super excited about our guest today, uh, Coach Paul Brown. Um, he is from Hereford, England, and he has been involved with soccer basically since he took his first breath. Um, uh, so just a longtime uh, soccer player and, and soccer coach. Um, he's He's been in San Antonio for quite some time, um, but also um, has been involved with uh, soccer over in Europe. He has a business called Soccer Sense SA, where he does skills training with soccer players. And it's um, typically one-on-one, sometimes um, you know, two-on-one, but he dives deep, deep into uh, the skills that you can develop to become a successful soccer player. I've known Coach Paul for uh, several years now, and he's a solid, solid dude. Um, I really, really appreciate what he does. He's got an awesome wife and daughter with a son on the way. Um, a son will be born very, very soon. Um, and so, Coach Paul, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to come and talk with you. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So I gave a little background, but just tell us a little bit more about um, uh, your your background in soccer. Okay. Um, yeah, so I started, you know, as you do playing a pretty young age over in England. Um, for us, historically, soccer is the be-all and end-all in sports-wise, and so that was kind of my main focus from four years old on, and um, right through the school ages, our school programs kind of, again, push soccer, and then we get into uh, similar academy programs to what they have here. Um, they require a little bit more of your time in terms of um, Again, we have less kind of sports to compete with us, so Monday, Wednesday, game days, the weekend. But it's set up a little bit differently in terms of everything was generally based within your city. And so you became a representative of a certain part of your city, uh, town. Um, and so I represent a team called Hinton FC, that's where I started out. Um, from that, we have county programs where they take players from all across the city. Uh, and very in similar to ODP, um, and then you represent your county team, so your whole district. Um, and so I did that for several years uh, before at the age of about 14, um, went and committed to Hereford uh, United FC Academy. Um, that's, I guess, what we call it, call it here. It was actually Hereford Center of Excellence. And essentially it was a, a higher end program more intense training prepare, uh, to prepare players for the academy system in England. Um, at the age of 16, went into the Hereford uh, United FC, who were a, a pro club. They're now actually called Hereford FC due to some bad financial uh, mismanagement. But um, the, from the age of 16, I represented them in the Midlands League, where we would play other um, academies, such as Walsall, Birmingham, Shrewsbury, so other well-established clubs. Um, and that would kind of prepare us for the next stage of soccer. Um, and again, even within that, 
you know, very few players out of our squad of 20 went on to play professionally. It's, it's such a competitive, elite level uh, environment um, that, you know, you can prepare your whole life and still have a very small opportunity to get into that next step. Um, so at the age of 18, I went to play semi-professionally for uh, a team called Pegasus. Um, again, in, in our hometown of Hereford, there was kind of a tier system. Hereford, you know, it was the pro club. We had two semi-pro clubs. Um, one was Westfields, one was Pegasus. So I ended up playing for Pegasus, but whilst also attending Hereford Six One College. At that time, I was doing um, diploma in, a National Diploma in Sports Science, and that's kind of where I started to get into coaching. Although we, uh, in that, specific um, subject we covered all sports I, I really enjoyed the coaching aspect within Pegasus Club I'd kind of been given a leadership role and so within that too I also had the opportunity to coach younger teams um, and then kind of I hit a point uh, about 19 years old where I had a couple of injuries um, and I've always enjoyed traveling and, and so I, I spoke with a teammate of mine who was in his 30s and he had mentioned a, a US-based British company um, that allow you to travel but also coach out here and get some experience uh, called Challenger Sports. So I did that um, for two summers and then I would go back for the season September through May and then leave for Texas from through the summer and coach camps. And after my second year, um, I had an opportunity to uh, go to Alma Heights, uh, Alma Heights Fire Soccer Club. and. Originally, they, they hired us through Challenger as like club trainers. And then over time, we just kind of cut out the middleman and I, I became a full-time employee. Um, so that's kind of how I got started here. Um, I worked for about 12, 12 years in club soccer here. Um, Alamo Heights, Fort Sam, Houston. I was um, in charge of the girls' program, then became assistant director. I moved to Classics. Um, Spent about four years there. Uh, I really enjoyed it. It was a step up for me professionally. Uh, high levels of, uh, of players, high level of, of competition. Surrounding myself with talented coaches that would force me to kind of improve my game too. Um, and then I, uh, yeah, so after being in the TCL, the ECNL just started in our final year. So we got to experience that and, and that step up for the kids and, and what it took. You know, we were just getting that initial taste and, and, and what was needed. And then um, my daughter came along, um, and I, I will admit I had a really hard time being away from my family so much uh, yeah. with, the, with the, the larger commitment. I had a really hard time traveling with the, the Chanel, and I missed her first steps. I think I left for nationals in Colorado three weeks after she was born. Mm. And with not having any family members here too, I, I had a really hard time managing, like, there was a lot of, I felt selfish in, in what I was doing, that I was taking that time away you know, by doing something I loved, which I've had the opportunity to do for 20 plus years. Right. Um, and so, you know, after years of kind of going back and forth and not really knowing, you know, I knew my passion was still in soccer, but I wanted to spend more time with my family also. And so that's kind of when, you know, we, we soccer says came about. Um, I really enjoyed the personal element of training, you know, and how every kid's different. And so, that kind of set us up for creating a 1v1 environment where I could still train and I could uh, generally train kids that have that desire to better themselves, um, but also be at home on the weekends and, and uh, not have to travel. And so that was kind of the initial um, starting base for soccer sets.
that's awesome, you know, and <clears throat> that kind of mirrors, you know, some of some of my goals and, and desires in starting pocket physical therapy as well, you know, wanting to have some a little more time freedom to, to be with my family, but still, um, you know, work with athletes in a significant way, being able to build relationships and help them achieve goals. Um, so that, that's really cool. And yeah, and we, we both started our, our businesses very, very close to the same time frame, just a few months apart yeah. um, back in 2018. So it's it's been great to uh, to, to support each other and, and see each other grow. Um, so other than soccer, though, do you have another favorite sport that you like to watch or play? Yeah. So you know what? Um, I've really, obviously, being in San Antonio, you know, I've really taken the basketball. I think the, nice. the pace of it is appealing to me. Uh, I think there's a lot of similarities within s- soccer um, in terms of the vision and, and the use of the body and all that kind of stuff. But just, it's hard to not be a Spurs fan when you right. came here and when we arrived here, it was right around the time of the Duncan Ginobili and Parker era. And so, you know, there was that success and the buzz around the city too. Um, I try and play golf occasionally. And I could be better at it if I played a little, <laughs> little bit more often. Um, we tend to, you know, I, I've put a couple of soccer sense teams and support like local clubs at golf days. And so it's, it's generally more associated with the fun social side. Um, I do enjoy it. I just wish I was a little better at it. Yeah, absolutely. I think we could all say that about <laughs> <Yeah>. golf. <laughs> um, so y- you touched on it a little bit, but tell us, tell us more about what really drew you to coaching. Why did you... Um, you know, make that transition and, and, you know, what is it about coaching that you love? You know, I think it's, um, the people you're around is a big, big part of it. I, I think that was a big factor for me, like within my, my, the coaches I was around and, and this different, all the different styles of coaching and figuring out, you know, this is what appealed to me. And this is what, although I took bits away from it, maybe I didn't appreciate it so much, not necessarily appreciate, but I didn't connect with it as much. Um, so I think that kind of was a part, um, like the other elements of the game, the tactical side, the, you know, how to play it, develop, how to create certain situations, um, all of that and how you can, within a game, manage and manipulate situations and, and, and against the opponent, against certain types of opponents. Um, and, and all of that really intrigued me to kind of being around other coaches too, and, and, and the enthusiasm they had for kind of sharing that information. I think that was, you know, a good thing about the, the coaching within the club environment is, you know, I met some really good guys. Um, the, the amount of information we give each other and we share from each other, that perhaps you, you learn to kind of take in other perspectives and um, what, what works here and what might work there. And, and you just kind of take little bits from everyone and put your own spin on it. And, and that's kind of something that, I, that re- I really enjoyed about it. That's cool, yeah, yeah. I definitely agree with you there. Um, the, the 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 tactical and and you know devising a game plan and then adjusting that on the fly and um, that's yeah. that's really cool. It, it it takes a special talent to do that. Not not everybody can do it. So. Yeah, yeah. It, it you know it's it's again going back to the that's where I think you take away what you've enjoyed about coaches and that like because there's so much more to it than initially it's just about playing the game, isn't it? And then. You certainly learn, you know, people's feelings, the emotions, you know, physical performance, which obviously you play a huge part in. Um, people don't show up occasionally, right? If someone's sick, all these different things get thrown in that you get to really think about and, and, and just to the, the quality of the other teams, you know, and especially here in this state, there's so 
even with San Antonio alone, there's a lot of clubs, there's a lot of different variations of teams, there's a lot of levels. So you really kind of have to research and, and know what you're up against, uh, but also, you know, try and impose your strengths on, on, on what you're doing. Yeah, that's cool. Is there a specific coach that comes to mind that, that made the biggest impact on, on your life? You know, I, I've, I've got about th- three from a, like overall, so two, two from my playing days. Um, a guy called Keith Phillips, uh, he, when, I, when he recruited me to, for Heverage Center of Excellence, and that was kind of the, the next step up in, in performance and level of coaching, and he was the first person to really kind of open my eyes to all of the pre-game preparation and, and the individual preparation in terms of like receiving packets based on my position, what he wanted from my role prior to a game. So rather than just turning up and being like, okay, this, you know, go play, it's like, like there was so much pre-game preparation. And, and so that was really cool for me because, yeah. you know, it hadn't been like that before. You know, just rely on your ability. You know, you know right. how to play. There's small hints, but uh, for the most part, you know how to manage the situation. But this was like, okay, this is what, for this particular game, this is what we're going to do. This is, right. uh, and so that really stood out to me. And then for more of a, when I was at 18, 19, uh, Chris Hyde, who um, I was actually really good friends with his son. He was our manager at uh, Pegasus. Uh, he played professionally and kind of been through it. and he was very big on the um, uh, player coach relationship that, like he was very personable and um, player management was huge for him and so for instance in team talks you know you can give a broad team talk and I've made this point numerous times you can give a broad team talk but it doesn't necessarily work for everybody you know some what this person may need their arm round reassurance this person might need some goals set for them this one might need a firework to get them going you know and, and he was very big on that prior to the game giving everybody their each little bit of uh piece and I was very goal driven and so you know he, he would always make sure and, and he was he put me in the leadership role the captain role at Pegasus and he was very clear on what he wanted from me and, and why he wanted it from me and, and so that obviously built my confidence up in, in, in fulfilling that role too and so that, that side of it, the, the connection with the player, that was really a big, uh, and I think that's what I've really tried to take forward into, into my style as well. That's great. Yeah, communication and expectations are, are so important in every re- relationship we have in life, right? Yeah. Um, you know, a, a business relationship or, you know, a client relationship, but even our personal relationships, um, that, that's huge. So Absolutely. Great. See... One of the reasons why I love sports, man, we learn life lessons. I mean, you don't just learn about soccer. You learn about communication and, and communicating expectations and the meeting expectations, which can be applied to your family relationships and your yeah. work relationships. So, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Um, okay, so switching gears here a little bit. Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit more about specifically what you do um, uh, with your players. And so talk to me about how important individual skill development is versus just playing game after game after game with with a team that's you know that's a great question i think um the luxury of being involved in both sides the because sometimes as a club coach you know and, and and players going off on the side you can get a little bit kind of you take it personally like why is somebody going to somebody else you know and then i think from from the side i'm on now you know, it, it, it's, it's really important because within a team, you know, every, you've got different varying levels of talent, varying uh, levels of, of technical execution, who, who can do what, and, and 
their strengths and abilities and generally it's tied to a position they're in because you know they've, they've played that position a lot so they're getting the, the frequency of repetition of a certain technique you know happens naturally a bit more naturally within maybe over a longer period of time within a year you know and so what the individual side does it allows us to one kind of focus on um you know technical attributes so if they're they may come to his midfielder so we'll base a lot of what we're doing around techniques that midfielder will see um consistently um there's a lot more time for us to break it down specifically for that player because everyone has little habits nuances to their technique that they might um have developed over the years and so being able to kind of work with them in that sense you know one bit of feedback isn't necessarily the same for everybody and so this allows it to be a little bit more specific um then we start talking about um the uh mental aspect of it and and so the decision make and and if you we your role within the team may be able to, like can you switch the ball 40 yards to the right midfielder quickly and it's okay being able to see that but if you can't execute it what's the point point? and so then it's it's that's where the two come together and through that that's where the confidence a lot of the times we make a bad decision within a game because we don't feel confident executing the right one right and so it, and so that's why if, again if we can make players more well-rounded confidence through repetition um, and then we'll use different kind of um, apparatus throughout the session to, to build in a bit more pressure and then we'll kind of talk about that in a little bit um, all of those things when then go back and apply to the team can help team performance because you're now fulfilling your role within that team because you feel more comfortable about the the execution of what's required. So right. that's why I think the kind of two merge, merge together too. And with everything, confidence goes up, confidence goes down, um, and sometimes reinforcement of skill, reinforcement of you can do it, right? And, and, and that will all help as you go back into that team environment. And I know just, you know, we are limited with time within a team when we have, we have those teams out there. And so, like I say, a lot of the, the feedback can be more generic and more broad to everybody. Um, and so sometimes, you know, with kids too, that will go straight over their head. They need, some kids need that reinforcement and that repetition and to really absorb something. And so I think the two can work really well together. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, definitely specific feedback for that individual player is, is huge. The, the general broad feedback, you know, it oftentimes, like you said, it goes over their head or they don't feel that it applies to, to them. Um, so yeah, being able to, to coach that and, and train that is, is big. Kind of along that line, you know, there's, there's the physical development, but how do you address and how do you train the, the mental development of your players? So, that, so that's probably one of the, the biggest things for me. And I think I've realized over the years that I, ha I can have, it's a bigger part than, than, than what I maybe, I knew it was always an aspect, but I realized it's it's just a bigger part as, as everything else and so I've really kind of enjoyed you know one of the one of the the biggest things when players come is maybe they lack confidence right and and confident you know that kids are under a lot of pressure you know within that especially the on the higher level teams you know there's a lot going on and um, the demands on, on on the technique they pretend to practice a little bit more and so um, all of that they're competing for time the time rules change where you don't have to play, it's based on how you perform. And so from that, even if they're the best on the team, they'll have self-doubts and start to think, okay, well, I need foremost or I'm gonna get cut. And then all these outside influences. Um, and so what, 
being individually, we one, I, I try and get to know the player first. Uh, not in the same way you asked about my hobbies. You know, what what do you do outside of soccer? So it's how school, how they, how all those different. So they originally initially feel like I care about them, which you know I do. Everyone that comes, you build a relationship with. Um, but then, for instance, we're dribbling. A lot of the times when we dribble, um, we our, our mindset is how do I get past this person, right? And that's what we, we we've kind of lost. We about ten years ago we got caught up in the let's move the ball, pass the ball, Barcelona style, everyone be like Spain and keep moving the ball and it looks, which it does, and when done right, it's super effective. But I think a lot of the times now, kids have the pass first mentality. And so we lose that confidence dribble. So when we do dribble, a lot of the time, sometimes it's an afterthought, it's the second choice. Or when we do it, it's not very assertive. It, it tends to be a bit more tentative. And so, you know, we can talk about that, like changing the mindset from, how do I get past you to try and stop me? And that, that comes mm -hmm. from them, the repetition of the techniques. You know, we, I can use lights, I can use whatever, whatever but essentially we break down to the dribbling technique, being able to manipulate the ball between both feet. Because when you can do that, you can maintain balance going at high, higher speed. Then you learn to really manipulate your body shape so you can change your balance, which is gonna affect the balance of the opponent. Then we'll incorporate more speed and add other elements into it, right? You've gotta get the ball out, out of the air first or your first touch, if you can get it going in the direction you, first, if you can identify where you want to go prior to receiving the ball, you identify the situation. Now you can approach that situation more with more confidence and a little bit more speed. If your first touch is good, it drives your eyes up. Now you can see beyond the defender, what, where are we going? Now I can manipulate the situation. And so we start thinking it more from that standpoint rather than, uh, oh, I got, I got, I got, you know, where, where do I go? Where do I go? Where do I go? Which can be overwhelming with all the pressures of the score and the time and all the, the other stuff that's going on, size of the field. So it's trying to focus them on the execution and what needs, to, and, and the, the, the execution and the outcome will take care of itself, right? There's times where you've probably seen raffle tickets, right? It's, <laughs> it's something I incorporated because I wanted the kids to be rewarded for their effort. But a big reason of why we incorporated it was because kids could be doing something really well. And then as soon as they say, right, five out of five, or do it correctly for 10 raffle tickets. That outcome of, I could get 10 raffle tickets, they draw so much pressure onto their shoulders, thinking about what could be, I could get 10 raffle tickets, that a lot of the time they get distracted from the actual process to get these raffle tickets. So that the technique, we, we get a little bit sloppy with the first touch, or we haven't prepared because we're a little bit let, more anxious. And so then the execution, gets affected so although there's a fun reward to it we're trying to develop develop that mindset that if we take care of the process the outcome will take care of itself you know and same with the skills challenges we do at the, the end of the session you know it's a fun test of technique but ultimately it's the pressure that i'm putting on them and the pressure that the skills challenge is putting on itself i really don't have to say anything you know the desire to be successful and the pressure to be successful, which affects their technique. So again, it's just all trying to manipulate that mindset to, I could have a great day and I'm still gonna mess up, right? But it's, how, how, if, if I focus on what I need to do and identify when I need to do it faster than everybody else, if I, I'm more competent and confident in my first touch and that, everything else, my, my without kind of going too far, my, my one thing I take from coach, you always just say, Give yourself a 10 point system prior to a game and get to 10 points. Is that you get a point for a good first touch, a point for a five yard pass, five points if you hit a 40 yard pass. And it's like, if you get to five points quickly, 
before you know it, you're feeling good. You've worked your way into the game. You've had a couple of good passes, good first touches. You get 10 points without thinking about it, right? But on the flip side, if you make a go for that five-pointer right off the bat and try and hit a bat and then that doesn't come out, then you naturally feel, feel bad about it. And then you'll try another five-pointer to fix it. A lot of times after a mistake, we'll make another one trying to rectify it as soon as we can. Um, and so going into the light system blaze pod that I use, you know, it tracks reaction time and stuff like that. And one thing that, you know, we've noticed over time is usually after a reaction there it, or after a mistake, there's a few seconds where we spend feeling bad about it, right? And that can then, at a high speed gain, that can then influence our next decision. So, you know, we can kind of track like, if, 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 there's, if there's an error, how quickly you can, you don't necessarily have to correct it. You don't need to go and win that ball back because that may lead to you making a rash challenge which then takes you out of position. But how quickly can you move on from it? How quickly can you, you, you mentally move on from it and, and then be successful in what you're doing next? Because we're all gonna make mistakes. You know, it, it's our fear of them that sometimes engulfs us, right? Like, like the kids that worry about making mistakes make more. The kids that worry less will still make them, but because their focus and emphasis and fear is not, and again, that comes a lot to the environment too. Um, and so that's why I try and really push that, that part. You know, everyone that walks in, you're gonna make a mistake. On their first session, I tell them every time, I said, every person that's walked in there has made a mistake. I'll probably make one too. I was like, we don't count them, right? Let, let's, when we're doing a shooting exercise, first thing I ask kids, like, how many did you miss? And they can tell me straight away, so how many did you make? And they won't remember. It's like, let's flip that, right? Let's count the ones you make and try and make more next time. Let's not try and miss less, you know? And so all of that tries to steer that mindset into, you know, like, like I'm going to be successful. I'm good. I might not be, but I'm going to do everything I can to be. Yeah. Man, that's awesome. There's, there was a lot of good stuff in there. Um, man, it, I, I hope you guys heard that. Um, the the process driven goals versus the outcome um if if you hear a coach talking about we're going to focus on the process and and not necessarily the outcome stick with that coach because they know what they're doing um and and that's in my opinion the the proper way to approach it especially with youth um if we focus on the outcome too much um they're going to feel that pressure. They're going to be overwhelmed. But if we focus on the process, man, they're, they're going to be successful. I love it. I love and it. You think about that, what you do, right? Like, like, and, and I'll speak on behalf of the kids I've experienced for you. I know say we've always had a, a good relationship and some kids I had prior to, prior to you and then they came and worked with you and then they came back. And, you know, one thing you emphasize is it, it is a process, but you will get back to where you will be. You just have to trust that every part has value. And every part has value in your recovery. Every part has value in building strength. And like I said, the, all the kids I've had in, in that recovery after being with you, you know, that there isn't that too much nervousness because they trust that they've done everything to get to the point to play, which is a big part of injury recovery. Absolutely, absolutely. That is awesome. Um, so in, in your opinion, and, and you've worked with, you know, countless number of, of, of athletes, but what makes an athlete desirable for you to work with? In other words, what are the attributes or, or the qualities that you really appreciate in, in an athlete and specifically a soccer player? You know, I think um, for, for me, somebody who can translate their, their personality to the field 
is it probably isn't number one, but it's it's always there for me. You know, like so many times you have kids that big personality. It's great to be around, and again, part of it is maybe the fear element of performance and stuff like that, but that that build that 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 vibrant that that fearlessness and and, and the kind of the fun that they have in that personality if they take a con or they have the ability to take that forth into the game and still have all the desire to win and everything else that they, they i think a lot of kid, those kids see success you know you have to care care enough to want to be better but you don't want to care too much where it, it changes who you are and it stunts how quickly you develop so, so that and and generally everyone that comes to me chooses to come to me and so effort you know it is a given but it generally is there 90% of the time because I think if you're going to be good at anything you have to want to be good at it I think to get to that next level um, so effort's always there um, yeah just just um, the willingness to learn I think we all uh, as coaches and sometimes you know we all get caught up in that my way is the right way and 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 it, it's an ego you know it can be ego and we've all all been there at times where we're like well no i think this is how it should be done and that's where the conversation comes in and it's important um but that that willingness to take in information and, and and apply it to what they're doing you know because nobody wants to be told they're wrong nobody wants to be told they could do something better right but when you start to absorb some of that and take it and, and apply it you, and then see the results then I think you take that next step and you take that next step into to performance. And again, like the level of critique is, can be minor. Like the level of adjustments can be minor. So a kid that's just starting out, you know, they've got a lot of instruction to take in. Um, and a kid that's playing a supremely high level, you know, it may just be little tweaks here and there. But the importance of that information is still the same. Um, and I think that being able to take in that information and then for me, I think, yeah, just like say the person personality, um, you know, that, that, that has to come to every, we're all different and that's what's great. Right. And I, and I think we, we shouldn't want to be like somebody else. We should be the best version of ourselves, Um, and that's going to have flaws and that's going to have, you know, um, little different nuances that, that some people won't like, some people will like, right. But at least you're getting everything out of you and it's part of what makes a great team is, is all those different personalities and how you can bring the best out of one another you, you know you don't want to be the more you try and be somebody else and the more you, tr you you think this is how I should act there's actually more doubt there's more self-doubt there because you really know it's not you know that's not enough right and and um we I know we had this conversation prior to the podcast you know there's pressure of social media and seeing other people do stuff and um the hashtag no days off I'm going to bring that up because I was talking about you have to have a day off like to perform optimally you need rest rest is just as big a part of it as anything else and, and so you know as long as you can be true to yourself and, and know that what you're giving is your best um, I think that's what I enjoy the most when somebody comes in and like I said they may be the least talented player that I have but they give me every single thing and we make progress I enjoy that as much as the most talented kid who is just doing it because they feel like they need to do it to stay on top. Yes, we can get a lot done, and yes, we can do some highlight, but did we get as much out of it? Maybe not. You know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that's good stuff. Um, yeah, we we have some previous podcasts that we've recorded about uh, you know too much of a good thing is still too much. 
um, about the importance of sleep and, and recovery. Um, so if, if you haven't heard those, go back and listen to them. But absolutely, you know, rest days are crucial. Rest days are important. Um, and I had never thought about translating your personality onto onto the field or onto the court. Um, I haven't thought about that as being a, a really good quality in an athlete, but that makes sense because if you're trying to be somebody that, that you're not, um, that's that's too much pressure. You're, you're gonna end up failing at some point because you're trying to be somebody that you're not. But also on the flip side of that, if I see an athlete that's just, you know, all smiles and, and their, you know, their, their fun loving personality is showing out on the field. I mean, that's a sign to me that they love what they're doing. And if you love what you're doing, you're, you're going to be more successful. Right. And yeah, and that's, and that's not to say that somebody who's a bit more carefree off the field doesn't need to switch it on and have that game. You know, it's just, you know, don't feel like you need to be like somebody else, right? Like, like you find out what works for you and you'll get guidance from your coaches and you'll get guidance from, and then apply that don't feel like you need to be like somebody else. Because like I said, there's many kids that absolute goofballs, but as soon as they step across the white line, they're ready to go. And that's fantastic too. It's not that that isn't them. You know, they, they don't want it. We don't want them to be a goofball on the field, of course, but they understand that they're, they're mature enough to know that this is okay. This is performance area, but I'm going to perform as me. Right. Right. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. Um, uh, Shifting gears here again. Um, so most athletes you work with are, are youth athletes. Um, and, and so you have a lot of interaction with parents. And so uh, what are some of the most common questions that you get from parents? So I probably, I would say the biggest is how can they be more confident, right? How can they play, that like, I see them do stuff at practice or I see them do stuff here or I see them do stuff in the yard and they never do it on the field, right? They never do it on the field. And, and so that's usually the, the, the biggest one I get. And again, there's so many different areas and, and, and feedback to that. And um, again, if, you, if you've never performed it in the environment or at speed or at the environment that you're going to play at, it's a lot hard to make that transition. Um, you know, then it's at the frequency of performance, right? Like, like if, if I was, for instance, playing darts, if I practice for two weeks and they said, I'll give you a hundred bucks if you can get it in trouble 20, I'd feel more confident about it if I threw for two weeks straight than if I just woke up to it and had to throw it, right? And so, so that's kind of um, a part of it there, like that repetition of doing that. Then you, could, then you sometimes have to kind of go a little bit further because a part of it can be a, the parent pressure. You know, I, I think we all want what's best for our kids and I think that's one thing that I get to do a lot of is conversate with parents. I'm very because of the, the having the lobby and then being able to see the kid, one, it, it, it separates them slightly because the kid doesn't necessarily feel that pressure, although the parents are watching everything they do. But we can also help educate on parents on, on what we're kind of looking for and, and then how to, you know, develop that emotionally, personally, you know. Um, again, because in the same way, worrying about what other people do can translate to parents too, you know. Only if the kid wants to do it and has that desire to be good at it you don't need to feed that into them right they're the harshest critic on themselves absolutely and so if we add more layers and in the same way if we're really on top of them and they don't want to do it that's not a good place to be either so it, it, it's finding that balance between you know supporting what they do and generally every, every 
I say everyone is very supportive of, of, of their kids and, and like I say, the families that I get to interact with, you know, most of the time they're there because they're looking to support their kids' goals. Um, but yeah, having, having how to develop confidence. So we talk about a lot of times about, you know, pre-game preparation, you know, can, can you find some consistency in what you do before games? If being on time is important to them, you know, that's a way you can support them. You know, make sure they're on time, make sure they're early, right? If, if they're, they're quite an anxious person and they're showing up bang as practice starts every single time, if they're um, at the game and they're, they're perhaps maybe not playing as much and you're, all you're focusing on is why aren't you playing, why aren't you playing, why aren't you playing, rather than, you know, what could we do to get more time? And, and try and direct them, essentially, through everything they do, that confidence will come. If they feel like they've achieved it, they'll develop confidence too as well. You know, it just... It's not something we can turn on and off. You know, I, I always, again, being the Spurs fan I was, um, or I am, Danny Green, that one year where he made 24 three-pointers in a game, and he's like, he couldn't miss. The same Danny Green couldn't make one six months later. And people go through it. That was, that, that was probably where he felt like untouchable. And then the next time, it's like, where's my next basket coming from? And he's the highest elite level athlete. And so, um, there's so much that builds into developing that, that confidence. And, and again, it's like practice. What do we practice for? Kids are going to practice 80% of their life. 20% will be in games and tournaments. So the quality of level of practice, you know, who they're around, um, executing a practice. Try, try all the things that you've been working on. Try them at practice because if you mess up, it doesn't matter. But the feedback you get from messing up is really important. If you're less likely to try something in a game for the fear of making a mistake, right? Where that uh, practice, maybe it's not there. Can you try and apply it? So it's all those different ways, because confidence is ultimately the, the hardest thing, because then with, again, like you talk about mental health, you talk about all that stuff, there's so much going on that we don't know. So all we can try and do is, you know, create a situation which allows them to try and find it within themselves. Because, you know, you can tell a kid, you're the best thing in the world. It doesn't mean they're gonna be confident, because it comes from within, right? And, and so it's like, what can we, how can, what can we set and what can we create that makes them, or, or helps guide them into that direction because they've got to feel confidence with themselves regardless of how, you see, or, I'm sorry, you had the conversation with your daughter. I know you can do it, I know you can do it, right? It still doesn't make a difference right? until they believe they can do it. Absolutely, yeah, that's so true. That's great. Um, what are questions that parents should be asking their coach all right so they ask you know uh, and not that it's a bad question you know how can we help with their confidence but from your perspective what's something else that parents should be asking a lot lot of the times you know from from a coach from the club coaching day standpoint too it's like the intent tension may be right but it's like how can we go about like directing it so you know how he hasn't getting enough playing time Mm, like yeah maybe gear that towards like what could we focus on? What would you like to see to help him get to, the, to that point or the point that you want him to be at? Um, it's what they do in school, right? You know, we have those parent-teacher conferences. So I know a lot of clubs start to do that a, a lot more frequently, which is great um, because then there's a little bit of accountability on the coach's side too because if the kid goes away and works on those things and puts together all that and the playing time isn't there, then what is it? You know, but but at the same time, if you're just going, what's the playing time? It's like, it's it's, you can get quite defensive as a coach sometimes. Sure. But also, it's like 
you know, you feel you should know better. Like, like where I think it holds everybody accountable if we, we ask why, what, like, or what can we do? Because then it's a, on both people, it becomes on the coach. Um, it, it then holds the kid accountable to like, if they don't go and put the work in, they can't expect to see a change in results. Um, you know, I think th that that's probably the primary one. Um, you know, I, th I think like coaching philosophies fall into it too, is like the style of play, you know, again, at least w when I was involved in the club, we, there was a lot of feedback in terms of, this is what we tried to achieve this weekend, this is why we did it. So the, the educating of the parents usually leads to less questions because you're giving them, okay, okay, this is, I, I kind of understand, right? And, and that kind of helps bridge that gap a little bit. Um, but yeah, and it's, that's kind of my, my main thing. I was like, like let's, how can we get to improved performance rather than why is it like this? Why is it like this? Because again, it, and so I, I, I'm, it's easier to manage personalities in the one-in-one -one environment than it is in the club. Because again, if you've got 18 players, you perhaps don't have that, that, that time. But also if six of them, you can set something's up, you know, it, it, it's, it's harder to really get to the, the bottom of that too. And, and then you've got friendship groups within the team and that kind of influence everything. That in San Antonio, as competitive as the school districts are, you got school rivals within the team. So all these, all these different things. So I, I would say, you know, always try and gear it towards like, how can we, how can we get here? Or what would you like to see to us to get here? So then it's more of a, here's a task, here's a goal. Like here's a goal, how do we try and get to this goal? Because um, I know with everything, there's frustration that comes into it. There's, there's um, all of that. And it's, and it's hard, like to say, most club coaches have two, three teams. So then you're talking 30, 40 kids, and then you're talking 60 parents. And everybody wants to look the best for their child. So it's kind of, how, how do we get to that point where, because again, you're never gonna please everybody, but how do we get to the point where we can set out plans for each kid and, 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 and make sure we get the, both, the best of what we have. This kid might work as hard as and never be as good as this one over here, right? But we are doing this kid a disservice if we don't help them at least improve himself, you know? Absolutely, yeah, I, I definitely agree there. Um, so, what are some things, this is kind of a two-part question, um, what are some things that you see from parents um, that they are doing right, and what are some things that parents are doing wrong with their soccer players here in San Antonio? So I, I think a big thing that I've noticed in the last few years, which has been great, and again, kind of leads into your field is, you know, that the nutrition, improved nutrition, people are being more conscious of what the players eat, um, cryotherapy, rehab, sports rehabs, red line here, you know, working on elements of their body that aren't necessarily directly correlated to soccer skills, but play a, play a part in their performance. I think that's been something that's really uh, improved a lot in these last few years. And, and um, let's say there's high demand in, naturally in every sport that you do here, if you, you might have soccer here, but then you might play in high school, cross country or something else every coach wants the best version of you, which is hard for a kid, yeah. right? Because no, the kids don't want to let anybody down. And so like the nutrition element supporting, like I, I've also felt like I, I have noticed a little bit more that, that parents are supportive of when a kid's tired or, or, or stressed. I think, you know, in the last few years, mental health has become a little less, um, 
I can't think of the word, but you know, people are more willing to talk about it now. Yes. So I think more aware of it too. And so I think we're all more conscious of the impact of all of this and high school work, homework and all of that on top of kids. And I think parents, um, and again, to me, it could lead to a cancellation, you know, which then affects my, but at the same time, it's the prioritizing the kid, you know, and ultimately what we're here for is when they can, they want to perform again, going back to what you do and preparing athletes to perform at, at the best level they can. You know, when they come to me, we, it doesn't need to be an hour of like, I'm just trying to get through it. Right. Because then you lose some, a lot of that, the, the benefit anyway. Um, so I think that's been one of the, the, the good things. And then probably the flip side of that is the six days a week or seven days a week, you know, like if they see on uh, Instagram that someone's doing on Thanksgiving, doing something on Thanksgiving that they then have to go and do something on Thanksgiving day because they're worried that their kid's missing out. You know, like, first of all, players know their body better than anybody else. And that's what, especially the high school age athletes, when, you know, their schedule is as hectic as a Premier League like the Premier League professionals, they complain about playing three times in one week, you know, and they're doing it for most of January and February, you know? And so knowing your body and knowing that it's okay to say no, it's gonna upset some people, but you are the boss of your body and you you know when you don't feel good, you know when you've, you're sore. And so everyone, we, we want you at your best and it may bug me that you're not here today, but can this time, I've got the best version of you, which is going to benefit me. And so being able to say no, not, not getting sucked into the kind of, like say hashtag no days off where, where to be the best, we cannot rest. You know, we've got to, that's, that's a slogan right there, but yeah, right. <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, that, that, I think that's, that's, that's try not to get caught up in, in that. And, and, you know, social media dictates so much of our lives now. And, and I think, you know, even as businesses, we see, you know, this is, we've got to, we've got to stay connected to people this way because this is the easiest way to, to stay connected to them now. Um, but, you know, we had, we, we had this conversation earlier, you know, some of the videos I post may have been recorded two weeks prior, but then at the same time, it's like, oh, they were practicing, to, oh, you know, and, and then it's like, just, it's okay, you know, just, it's okay, like, like, take care of your athlete, support your athlete in their goals, um, but listen to them most importantly. And, and a lot of times, they won't tell you so it's the observation right you can you know your children better than anybody else and so knowing when they're tired knowing when they're sore seeing that okay there's a lot going on in their life right now and they're, they're having a hard time like let's let's give them a day you know whatever it may be um that's kind of a big part of it yeah that's great yeah comparison is the root of discontent right mm -hmm. if, if we're um, constantly comparing ourselves to somebody else you're never going to be happy. And uh, so we can't fall into that trap. And then something else that you said that I think is really, really important is um, self-care is not selfish. We're a part of teams. We have obligation to, to teams. Um, you know, you want to be there for your teammates and, and help your squad win. But if you need personal time to take care of yourself, whether it's physically or mentally, that's not selfish you have to be able to give the best version of yourself for your team to be successful. And if you're dealing with something, um, you're not gonna be able to, to give that best yeah. effort, that best, your, your best self. And so, yeah, self-care isn't selfish. Yeah, and I, th I think from, from our standpoint too, right? I think one of the biggest things I struggled with in the final three months of coaching is I didn't wanna let anyone down either. Like I felt 
I was really angry at myself that I was gone so much. I like adored all the kids. I didn't want to let them down. I didn't want to let the parents. I didn't want to let my colleagues down. But then, at the same time, I would get frustrated because I knew I was letting myself down somewhat. And so all of that kind of just piles on, right? And then a lot of the time it can lead to like injury or yeah. you know just a, some kind of event that causes just a breakdown because you are just so exhausted. So yeah, man, and I think that's what like like the biggest takeaway I had from from it is is you've got to take care of yourself to be able to give your best to other people, and 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 that that was I was so eager trying to please everybody and and most importantly my family were the ones that were suffering yeah absolutely yeah that's that's a lesson learned right mm -hmm. you know it, it's it's hard going through that but i'm really glad that that you did because now you can teach that to, mm -hmm. to your athletes yeah awesome um man this has been an awesome conversation paul um thank you so much for joining us thank you if our listeners want to get a hold of you um how how can they do that so uh most people have to call my wife. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so I have, um, we have a website, uh, www.soccersensesa.com that has uh, the booking information, a lot of stuff about the program, um, things like that. We, we are quite active on social media because it has such, uh, uh, Instagram is more kind of geared towards the players, Facebook with content goes towards the parents and, and information. So if you search at Soccer Sense SA, you'll kind of have access to both. Um, we do have an online booking system Right now, you know, it, it's an issue, but it's still a blessing. Um, we, we are booked through the end of December. Um, we do have access to a cancellation list, so you can sign up for a cancellation list to be notified. Um, again, a big thank you to everyone's support for that. And, and to you, Tim, I appreciate you having me here. And like I say, it's, we pretty much started around the same time and it's been incredible to see how you've grown, not just you know, within your, your business, but with your family and, and the athletes that we shared, you know, and, and how positively they speak about you. And, so uh, I appreciate you, you taking the time to invite me on today. Absolutely, it's been a fun conversation. Uh, I think it's been a beneficial conversation as well. I think sure. um, you know, we, we can learn a lot from it. We will put um, your contact info in the show notes so you can find um, the, the Instagram handle, uh, the website, all of that will be in our show notes. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Elevating Athletes podcast. Please support us by subscribing to the podcast and sharing it with your friends and family. See you on our next episode.